I don't think I know a phrase that says it better than that. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. That's been our series. Uh, that's been our study uh, during this summertime. And uh, it's been a, a great, great time to dig in and try to understand and uh, look into the Word and get a better grasp, but also to invite, to welcome Holy Spirit to engage with us, to be with us. And that's really what it's all about. Uh, our series, we've had nine different uh, studies, and I, I've uh, loved every one of them. We started out just saying, he's kind of a stranger to us. Uh, welcome to the stranger who is in town. And then, uh, why Holy Spirit? Uh, we, we asked that question. I think I'm on the next slide. Uh, and then, what, what does it mean to be born of the Spirit? All of these scriptural uh, phrases and truths that are so powerful, baptized of the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, illumined by the Spirit. All of these are, are maybe different angles or perspectives by which we engage Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit engages us, this person of, uh, of our triune God, uh, walking that habitual, walking in the Spirit, and then the fruit of the Spirit that is manifest uh, a couple of weeks ago, we studied that. And then last weekend, our, our youth brought their musical presentation for the summer with the theme, Build Your Church, and it just fit perfectly. Because the, the question is, well, how does God build his church? And it's right here. It's right in, in, the, in the study of what we're doing. He manifests himself among us. Uh, we looked at the scripture uh, that said, uh, on this rock, I will, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How many of you long for that? The building of Christ's church that the gates of hell cannot prevail against. And he does that by manifesting himself. It's not like an instruction guide. Well, you need to put up some timbers and things like this. Uh, he manifests both the fruit of the Spirit, we talked about that a couple weeks ago, and the gifts of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit are the ninefold character qualities of Christ, the character of Christ in us. The gifts of the Spirit are manifestations, I called them last weekend, the tools uh, that he uses in us, in his church, through us to build his church. That's what it's all about. Now, here we are at this study, uh, and we've been a long time getting here, and some people might say, why did it take you so long? That's the first thing I would want to hear. You talk about Holy Spirit, I want to know about the gifts. And, uh, and there's a, a reason, I think, for that, and it's that all of this foundation is so important. We are not going to understand the gifts until we really are grasped by the giver of the gifts. And so that's what we're going to focus on this weekend, the giver of the gifts. And I want to take us back to the, the first passage that we looked at nine weeks ago in John chapter 14. It's just a part of that same scripture. John chapter 14, beginning verse 15, Jesus in the really the last hours of his earthly ministry, uh, he, he brought these words to his disciples. He said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him. For he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Yet a little while and the world will see me no more. But you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. In that day, you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and 
manifest myself to him. Now let's stand and let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you are present here. And I pray that you would engage us in ways that that we would not have expected. In ways above and beyond what we might think or even ask. So that, Lord, we might know the giver as never before. And you might manifest yourself and your gifts among us as never before. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. It's an amazing statement. And it's one of those things. When John writes, he writes and it just sounds, boy, it's like big. <laughs> and sometimes it even sounds a little bit confusing uh, the way that he speaks. But he, he says, a helper is coming to be with you. Say, praise God. Amen. And the world cannot receive him or know him. That should not surprise us. Sometimes we say, why doesn't the world get it? And they can't. It is only as they engage the Spirit, only as they are born of the Spirit, that they can understand. They're going to be just thrashing about. There's a lot of thrashing going on right now because the Spirit uh, is not known uh, in the world that's around us. He says, but you know him. He dwells with you and you in me. I will not leave you as orphans. I love that. You won't be able to see me. I am in, I'm going to go away. My body's going to go away from you and not be present here with you. And you won't be able to see me. I am in my father and you in me. If we keep his commands and love him, he will love me and you. It's just amazing. And he says, and I will manifest myself. That's a phrase that I want us to focus on. I will manifest myself. That word manifest is a great one. I know you want a little bit of Greek tonight, right? Just at least a little bit, all right? And the word is emphanizo, emphanizo. Say that with me, emphanizo. And, and I love it because there's four different definitions. So four, it's just right from the, the Greek dictionary. To exhibit in a person, to disclose by words, to declare or inform plainly, to show or signify, that is to make a sign. All of that is Holy Spirit. All of that is the Holy Spirit stuff. Exhibit in a person, that's a manifestation. Disclosed by words, that's a manifestation. To declare or inform, to show by a sign. And Holy Spirit does all of these things in his church through the fruit and the gifts manifested among his believers. The gifts are important. It's not that we've been ignoring them. We've been laying the foundation and moving toward understanding the gifts. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 1, the Apostle Paul wrote, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. He wants for us to know about the gifts, to understand about the gifts. The Greek word for, that's used for gift is charisma. You may have already known that, or charismata is the plural. And it's a word, I mean, we hear, we use that word a lot. It's one of the ones that we're kind of familiar with. We say, oh, well, that person has a lot of charisma. What does that mean? It means that there's, a, there's an attractiveness to them. Oh, that's what it means in the secular world. We talk about a charismatic leader, and that's someone who has a kind of a draw to them because of their personality. But this is something much more. The Bible uses this word in three ways, and it's important for us to know all of them. The first is it talks about, when we talk about charisma, it's talking about God's gift of salvation. That's the first way that it's used in Romans 6.23. The free gift, the free charisma of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So the gift of salvation is is charisma. The second way is a blessing or encouragement or a comfort. And uh, it's used in 2 Corinthians that way to talk about a blessing that is given, that was prayed for and granted. 
And then the third way is the way that Paul uses it here. It's used to describe some special ability to minister with effectiveness and power. And we call that a spiritual gift. And that's what we're going to be studying for the next few weeks. You know, sometimes uh, someone will come and they may ask you, I know I've been asked this question, are you a charismatic Christian? And it's just such a, it's kind of a bizarre, uh, honestly, it's a bizarre question because I would honestly answer, based on what we just looked at, the meaning of that word, uh, you cannot be Christian without being charismatic. Because the gift of God, the gift of salvation, is a charisma. So there's not any other kind. Now, we know that they're talking probably about something else. They usually mean, do you uh, practice or do you exhibit specific gifts? That's what I want to know. Do you speak in tongues? Do you uh, uh, prophesy? There's specific things that they are interested in. And... um, and so we're going to talk at least a little bit about that. There's several views um, that I want to just mention about uh, the describing miraculous and supernatural gifts. And, uh, and you may not have never heard these words before, or you may be very familiar. One is called the cessationist view. And if, if you're not familiar with that word, you probably have heard this view before somewhere. So a cessationist um, believes that certain supernatural or sign gifts uh, ceased at the end of the apostolic age. They don't happen anymore. They were only intended to establish the message of the gospel and no longer operate at all. They don't operate at all. And I won't go pointing anywhere, but there are very prominent teachers uh, in the Christian world who are cessationists. I mean, they don't just say, well, I don't think that's what's going on today, but they will argue vehemently against any practice of spiritual gifts. And there's been some battles over that, if you're not aware. Um, the other word would be uh, continuationist, and that's, almost, that's a new one for me. I never really heard it put that way, but I was studying about it. And, and that's a position that spiritual gifts that are found in 1 Corinthians 12 through 14 are still available and still operative today. Now, there's a wide range in that as to how those operate and when, you know, exactly how they function within the church. But it basically says these gifts, they still continue. They still operate. And, uh, and our church is in that view um, and part of that is because we come from so many different places. I don't want to do a, a survey or anything, but I'm amazed at the breadth of where you come from. We have people from all over the uh, denominational spectrum, I would say. So some of you may have been raised in a cessationist uh, uh, sort of a, a perspective. Some of you uh, in an, an extremely continuationist uh, perspective where, you know, if you didn't speak in tongues and you didn't have spiritual gifts, then you probably weren't saved or something like that. So we want to dig in on this and understand it a little better. There's a third view. It's called dispensationalist. Uh, and, and that is that God can, of course, uh, exhibit supernatural gifts, but does not choose to do so or does not do so in this dip- dispensation that we live in right now. Uh, so it just sort of says, yeah, but not now. And, and then there's the, I'm not sure, Asianists. Okay, I, I just throw that in there. But, um, but those are the big words uh, uh, when we talk theologically about spiritual gifts. Um, and, and they're so interesting. Cessationists, I just go, really? Are you saying God can't do this? Uh, You know, I have to go back to a famous theologian who said, uh, God, by definition, can do what he pleases, when he pleases, in whatever manner he chooses. Okay. If you don't know, I'm the famous theologian. That's me. Okay. I don't know anywhere else to go. If God is God, right? Who am I to say, now you can't do that. Don't do that. 
That was okay in this part of history, but not in this part of history. And really, honestly, some of the best theologians I know, they look at that and they say, I understand it, but it's very flimsy, biblically, some of those boxes that we create. And I began, you know, weeks and weeks ago talking about the box. We don't want to put God in a box. Amen? So we're not going to put God in a theological box or an ecclesiastical box because of church traditions or anything like that. We can neither define what God must always do nor can we forbid that he does certain things. And both of those happen. Some people say, well, when you're, when you're baptized by the Holy Spirit, this is what has to happen. It's the only way that you'll see it and know it. And when I study scripture, I don't find that. Okay? God did give a design and an order to the church regarding the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, orderliness for the gifts of the Spirit. We're going to study that. We'll study that in a couple of weeks. Uh, but it's important for us to know God is God at the outset. He's the giver of the gifts. The manifestation of fruit and gifts of the Spirit are related. They're intertwined. Those two go together all the time. The fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ that is manifested in a believer. The gifts of the Spirit are the things done by the Spirit through a believer to build the body of Christ. They're really, we'll look at this some more. They're really not given to you. They're given to the church through you. They're given to the body of Christ uh, and, and they are manifested uh, in, in you, but they're not something that, oh, good, I got this gift. We'll, we'll look at that a little bit more. They always, these two always go together uh, because the fruit of the Spirit is actually what validates that a gift is genuine. Jesus said that. He said, how do you know, you know, prophecy is one of the gifts of the spirit? Well, how do you know the prophet is true? Or, or if, uh, if it's a false prophet, a wolf in sheep's clothing, he said, look at their fruit. You can look at the fruit. If somebody is manifesting uh, what they claim is a, uh, a gift of the spirit, but you sense there's not any love with it, you said that would be the biggest thing. We get the first Corinthians 13 and it, and it says, you know, if I can speak with the tongues of men and the tongues of angels, that's, that's, I, I can preach like nobody's business and speak in tongues all, all day long, but I don't have love. I am just making noise. And Paul knew the difference. And so the fruit of the spirit manifested, intertwined with, engaged with, um, the, the gifts of the Spirit is vital. In fact, it's the one thing that when we look, we say, okay, yeah, it, there seems to be this gift, but is there the fruit that accompanies it? The fruit is the manner in which the gifts are manifested and exhibited. So these manifestations, what are they going to do? They're going to glorify Christ and give witness to the gospel. I love the scripture that... Uh, that uh, Wally Schilling shared a couple of weeks ago, Hebrews 2, 4. God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. He bore witness. And all of this glorifies Christ. If a gift is exhibited and it isn't glorifying Christ, what does that mean? Because it's maybe glorifying the person. Okay, then something is off, something is askew there. Gifts of the Spirit are always going to be connected to the giver. And that's what we want to be sure we, we understand. It was in our scripture, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you. I mean, it's very, very powerful, the connection that we see in there. You know him, there in the last line, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Very much connected to the giver. I found this quote by a guy named James Stewart. Now, it's not the Jimmy Stewart from It's a Wonderful Life, but he's an evangelist. He was a well-known evangelist, a Scottish evangelist, and he put it this way. He said, many want the Spirit's power, but not the Spirit's purity. Wow. The Holy Spirit does not rent out his attributes. Wow, what, what a statement. His power is never separated from his glorious self. So genuine gifts are always going to reflect the giver. Always. The Holy Spirit will not operate in a person who is rebelliously disobedient to the word. If someone claims 
that they are operating in the Spirit, operating with the gifts of the Spirit. But in a part of their life, maybe that they're hiding over here, they are rebelliously disobedient, or they're just saying, I think I'm different, I don't have to obey that part of the Word of God. It's false. And, you know, false prophet, false whatever. And the truth is that we will only see the manifestation of the gifts when we are surrendered to His Word and surrendered to Him. That's why we've been in this process of eight, nine weeks of studying and trying to understand the foundation of what it means to uh, experience, engage, and walk with the Holy Spirit. So the key is that we must seek the giver and not the gift. I mean, that's really simple. Uh, Let's say that out loud together. We must seek the giver and not the gift. And this has been one of the problems, historically, uh, is that people have come seeking a, a gift rather than seeking the giver. If you seek the giver, he will give you good gifts and he will give you the right gifts. We, 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 where we get off track is where we say, I like that gift. I'm going to pursue that gift. I want that gift. And we are to pursue, okay, but we need to pursue him. So we want to be very, very careful about that. A significant problem occurs when we seek the gifts and not the Holy Spirit himself. Uh, The Apostle Paul wrote twice, two different times, that we are to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. That doesn't mean we zone in on one. I want this gift. I want to be like this person. I want to look like this. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 14, he says, pursue love. That's number one. And earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. That is, that you may speak with a prophetic utterance, so that you may speak with the anointing of God's Spirit. The other time is in 1 Corinthians 12. But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. And that's right the verse before 1 Corinthians 13. I'll show you what the big deal is. If you can learn how to love like God loves... Uh, everything is going to be falling into place marvelously. So what we want to remember is that Holy Spirit decides what gifts to give for what purpose, and he does that in perfect timing. 1 Corinthians 12, 11 says, All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills, as he wills. You know, uh, Pastor Ann mentioned that we were just at our uh, five-year-old grandson's birthday party, and there were all these gifts, all these things that were there, you know. And, um, and we just kind of marveled at, um, at his sister, Sylvia, because she, she was just so, she was celebrating so much uh, the whole thing, the whole celebration of her younger brother. And she wasn't saying, I want all his gifts. She was helping him. She was teaching him. It was just beautiful. And so if we can kind of understand that the giver is the one who chooses and decides for what purpose in his timing as he wills. So how, let's kind of get a little bit into it. How many of these uh, gifts of the Spirit are there? And if you've done any reading, done any study on this, the counts vary. Uh, There are different people that come with different counts. Uh, I was surprised, um, I, I just in learning a little bit from some research, that Catholicism historically only lists seven gifts of the Spirit. And they're not found in the New Testament. They're found in uh, Isaiah uh, chapter 11. And they are wisdom, piety, fear of the Lord, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and fortitude. I think all that's great. It, those are actually the Spirit that is on Messiah and so those are, those are really good things, but um, there, in, in many ways, there's sort of an ignoring of these New Testament gifts that exist as well. There are 25 gifts of the Spirit that you can find list, listed in the New Testament, and, um, and there are even a few more that are suggested, and, and we'll talk about those later. Not to add, they're sort of suggested, so we'll talk about them a little bit. We're going to look at 25, not tonight, okay? <laughs> but we're going to look at 25. What's so interesting, I just pondered this, and I thought, isn't it amazing that the, um, what we call the charismatic re- renewal uh, over the past 30, 40 years, it was born in the, in the Catholic Church, 
probably out of a hunger, like we're not getting it all. And then there's this renewal, this Holy Spirit renewal that took place. So gifts of the Spirit, we need to realize, are not the same as talents. And this is one of the confusions that happens. Um, Now, talents, God-given talents are really, really important. There are people all over this place that have talents. And those may coincide with, uh, with gifts of the Spirit. But they're not the same thing. Uh, we, we need to dedicate God-given talents. If you have a talent, you need to be dedicating it to the Lord. I'll just say that. If you sing, if you're a singer, you need to be singing. Offer that to the Lord. Find the place. If you're a musician, offer that to the Lord. If you organize things well, get involved somewhere organizing things. These are important. If you're you know, really good, I think about our people who work with security. They offer their gifts, their talents. If you work with sound, I could go on and on and on about offering our talents to the Lord. Those are not the same. They may be engaged, but they're not the same as the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the problems I think we have is that we often look with a worldly eye and we say, well, this person's a great leader, Wouldn't they make a great pastor? Not necessarily. Because they might be a great leader in any other situation, in government or in business, but they're not a a pastor. And so we want to be careful that we don't confuse those things. The famous theologian also said that spiritual gifts will move us above our talents and beyond our temperaments into our discomfort zones. I think that the best way to know that you're operating or, or beginning to operate in a gift of the Spirit is it's somewhere you've never been. Now, it might be an area that you're comfortable with. It's a, something that you have a talent to do that. It may be uh, that you're, you're, you're a really good teacher in other settings, and then you offer that, and you're also having a gift, a teaching gift within the body of Christ. Absolutely. Uh, but I think one of the marvelous things is that sometimes, uh, and may, I, maybe you've experienced this, I hope you have, maybe uh, God has said to you, I'd like you to do this, and you just burst out laughing. <laughs> you've got to be kidding, God. Seriously? I couldn't do that. I would be so uncomfortable. That's way out of my, my uh, wheelhouse, way out of my skill set, way out of my tool. But I can't. And God says, yeah, I know. Isn't that cool? <laughs> because that's, that's where I want you to be. I want to move you out of the places where you're comfortable. Why? It will glorify God. That's where that happens. If all of your spiritual gifts are, are simply... Uh, things that you like to do, you probably have not discovered at least some of your true spiritual gifts. You know, there's this old saying, I mean, it goes back many years, that God does not choose the equipped, he equips those he chooses, that's said a couple of different ways. God didn't choose Moses to speak because he was a good speaker. He was a bad speaker, and God chose him. He may have chosen him because he was a bad speaker, because I want to, I want to show you what I can do in you. Uh, he didn't choose David to face Goliath because he was a good with a slingshot. He may have been pretty good, but that was some kind of shot. <laughs> and the thing was, it took a courage in him that was way beyond him, that God put in him. So he, he chooses a, a gift that will move us beyond our talents. The best preachers I've ever known, when I've really gotten to talk to them, will say, it terrifies me to speak in front of people. You're kidding. No, I'm afraid every time. And I surrender every time to him and to his power and to what he wants to do. So where do we find these gifts of the Spirit in the Bible? There's three primary lists, and you can start studying them. Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians chapter 4. There are some others uh, that are detailed uh, in 1 Corinthians 7 and 1 Corinthians 13, Ephesians 3 and and 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be looking at those, comparing those, lining them up, digging in on those. 
A lot of the books that you'll read, and I've read a bunch of books. I mean, I've read a bunch of books over the years, and this summer I thought, I'm just going to push aside everything I've read before. I'm going to look into, uh, I've read a bunch of books this summer as I was preparing. And um, many classify or group the gifts. And, and it makes sense. We like, to do, we like to organize things, right? So they'll organize them in, into like uh, miraculous gifts, enabling gifts, and team gifts. Something like that. Bill Gothard has a designation of motivational and ministry and manifestation. They all start with an M, so that preaches really well and goes really well. Um, uh, Reformed theologians talk about ordinary gifts and extraordinary gifts. Every time I look, I go, is, is there any gift that is not extraordinary? You know? And I look and I say, is there any that is not a manifestation? No. So, you know, we, we kind of mess ourselves up a little bit. Some divide into enabling and serving and manifestation and others label special, special gifts. I love that. Aren't all gifts special? <laughs> uh, speaking gifts, serving gifts, and sign gifts. And that can be helpful because we can kind of get a grasp on these different types of gifts. But we have to just remember this. All classifications are human classifications. They're not in the Bible. There's not a place in the Bible that says, now, here's a list of the uh, motivational gifts. It doesn't, it doesn't say that. We've interpreted, we've put them into those lists. And the danger is if we create boxes and categories, uh, we, we might say, well, I need one from each category. No, God's going to decide what he wants in you and what he wants to use in you. And so we, we, and also we can uh, kind of uh, get a bad understanding, and uh, if we create those boxes, and it might limit us. Well, I, I'm not into those those kind of miraculous gifts. Well, that that's not really me, but the serving gifts, I'll do those. Well, God may want to use any of these gifts in you, so we want to be careful of that. The word I think convinces us that God, this is a way I would kind of sort things out. God has something for you to do. And those are enabling. God has something for you to say, and those are speaking. And God has someone for you to touch, and those are manifestations. They're all manifestations. But we'll dig on this a little bit more. So people may ask you, well, what is your spiritual gift? And the most, most important thing to remember is that Holy Spirit is the gift. He is the gift. And he himself is the indispensable gift of God. In your life. And so we want to make sure we understand that he is the gift and he will manifest himself as he desires for his purposes. Does he give gifts that then we hang on to? That, well, I have the gift of so and so and that's what I have all my life. Or does he give a gift in a situation for a specific need? And it may be some of both. We're going to dig in on some of that. I know there are some people that seem to have, carry a gift with them uh, and, and, and the Lord uses that as they offer it faithfully. Others have experienced a gift one time and powerfully uh, that gift was manifested at the right time in the right place. Henry Blackaby said that the gift of the Holy Spirit is primarily about God and his work and not about you and your work. So if we can kind of get our eyes off ourselves and on God, it will be really important. There are, uh, there's an approach that uses surveys and inventories. Maybe you've taken one of these. It's a uh, spiritual gift inventory. And they approach, it's, they're kind of interesting. They don't, that's not in a, an appendix of the Bible either. But they approach it based on uh, what you like to do. do. Do you like to help? Well, you know, do you like to serve? Do you like to bake? Whatever. And then by listening to those, well, you may have this gift or that gift. And there's some value in that. But I think we have to be careful because it can kind of be self-glorifying. It can, it can just, you know, kind of pump up the things that we like. And there again, if we only operate in our talents and abilities and in our comfort zones, then we tend to get the glory. But if we function in the power of the Spirit, God will always get the glory, and He does the work. It's His goal to reveal Himself and not to showcase us or our achievements. And so we want to hang on to that. 
Holy Spirit doesn't give us a talent or a skill or an ability to use as we desire. He gives us himself and then accomplishes the Father's will in our lives. That's what he's seeking to do. So, now we, we don't want to ignore our God-given abilities and talents. I mean, if you are a musician, uh, that may be used in conjunction with a spiritual gift that makes you a worship leader in, in some setting or in some fashion. I mean, that would be an example. If you're a good, good about writing and thinking and you're comfortable speaking, God may use that uh, so that you are a teacher or uh, a prophetic speaker in some way. Um, so we, we want to, you don't want to ignore our talents. I'm not saying that. Uh, but if we never consider serving outside of our areas of strength, we may miss the assignment that he has for us. I came across this, uh, it, it's a paraphrase of Matthew 19:24, and I really like this. It says, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a man rich with great talents to be used in the kingdom of God. For that person will be tempted to rely on his or her ability rather than the power of the Holy Spirit. That is something to ponder and think about. Some of the people that have struggled the most are those who are so extremely talented. It's so easy to just lean on my talent, you know. To lean on my ability to sing or to lean on, uh, you know, a quickness with words or a wittiness to turn a phrase. And that's not Holy Spirit. Uh, You know, some of the most powerful messages I ever have heard were from people that it didn't come out all that clearly. There was some stammering with it. And it was just amazing because it was so clear Holy Spirit was speaking. So we don't want to miss that. So here are the questions that I have for you at this point uh, in our study. You know, we've gone for eight, nine weeks, okay? And uh, here are the questions. Are you willing to seek Holy Spirit, the giver of gifts, for himself? And not not to say, I I want the goodies. You know, I I want what you have for me. Are you ready to earnestly pursue the spiritual gifts he desires to manifest through you. Because I think sometimes we get a little afraid or we say, I don't think I like that area. I think I'm just going to be, I like to serve. I like to do this or that. I'm just going to stay away from that because it's a little spooky. I don't think I want it. No, we need to pursue him and pursue the spiritual gifts he has for us. And that, that involves surrendering to him. Now I prepared a prayer. I thought that this was a good time to do that. And so I want to invite you, uh, if, if you would be comfortable, of course, to pray this prayer. It's very simple. It's just this one. And, and I've got it in your notes, so you can take it home if you like. But I invite you to pray this prayer that I, I am praying as, as well with you. So let's, let's pray together. I invite you. Dear God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I surrender to your will and your way. Reveal to me the way you desire to use me in the body of Christ. Show me the gift you want to manifest in me for the benefit of the body. Reveal to me the path as I earnestly pursue a deeper relationship with you and the spiritual gifts you want for me. I am ready. I am open. Do your thing. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that you you did not leave us as orphans. That was never your intention. But that you always had a plan that Holy Spirit would be here among us. Holy Spirit would be here to manifest your spirit in us and through us. To build your church. And that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. We thank you. And we praise you. Do your work in us and among us. In Jesus' name. Amen. So good. I can't wait to get into this study even deeper. Because I think it's when people 
experience God using them for the purpose in which he made them. And that is so fulfilling for people. So I'm so excited. Amen. Thank you so much. You know, tithes and offerings um, could be considered a gift of the spirit, the gift of giving. But the Bible teaches that we're all to give mm -hmm. so that the kingdom can go forth. So we encourage you, if you have never tithed, proportionate giving, go ahead, test God in it and wait and see what he does. You can't outgive him. If you have offerings that you want to give beyond that, then you might want to drop them in the receptacles in the lobby or turn them in um, to the church office, go online to give, give through the U.S. mail or give through your bank system. That's how people regularly are supporting Faith Fellowship. They just systematically have those checks sent to us every week, every month. And that's how we are continuing to go on and be a strong church financially. Amen. Uh, if you're new, we want to get to know you. And we'd love to help you find your way and connect and plug in. Um, we have some ways to do that. But it starts with just meeting you. We'd love to meet you at one of the welcome tables um, if you're online, we would love for you to register your presence, your attendance with us. Let us know uh, that you have connected, and that will help us a great deal. And if you could register your attendance, that's awesome. And if you have prayer requests, we would love for you to turn those in to us, either on the church app or um, right here, filling out a form and putting it in the yellow prayer box out in the lobby. We want to pray for you. Now, youth group is meeting this weekend on Sunday from 5 until 8 p.m. And the youth council applications are online. They're due in to Pastor Ann this Sunday. Really, really important because we're moving quickly into the fall and the planning for the fall. And there are a lot of exciting decisions to be made. We also want to let you know that we have a welcome luncheon coming up in two weeks. It's on August the 28th. So if you're new to Faith Fellowship, we would love for you to come to this luncheon on Sunday afternoon, 1215. It'll be in the fellowship hall. We'll have child care, a free lunch. We'll introduce you to the pastors and staff, and you can hear about the missions and ministries of Faith Fellowship. And we would love to have the opportunity to get to know you as well and hear about how God brought you to Faith Fellowship and how you want to get plugged in as well. You know, they say there's no free lunch, but that lunch is free. And you should come. <laughs> you should be involved. Uh, Lifeline meets on Tuesday evenings from 7 until 9. And uh, it's a great, great fellowship. Uh, in, over in the Fellowship Hall building, it's for young adults and college and career. Fantastic uh, way to connect. Two new ladies studies are going to be starting this week, August 16th, on Tuesday. In the morning, there's a 9 o'clock study on the book of 1 Corinthians. It's called United in Christ. It'll be led by Becky Durant, and it'll be um, co-led by Jill Weber. And then in the evening, if, you, if this is a study that fits your schedule better, L.A. Welty will be going through a chronological study through the Bible. This is year four. So they just keep plodding along and studying the different books of the Bible. At 6.15, they meet over in room 207. Ladies, you are so welcome to come and check out these studies. We're really excited because we have a new marriage cruise that is going to take place this fall. Uh, we, we still have one in 2023. Uh, that's an eight-day cruise. This is a four-night cruise out of Port Canaveral, uh, going to Coco Cay and Nassau. So it's a little short cruise, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. We'll have fellowship together, but we'll be digging in and studying a fantastic study for our marriages and deepening our relationships. It's a great price, and you can um, get a brochure out in the lobby or contact us in the church office. We'd love to get you connected. It's coming pretty fast. Uh, we're very much looking forward to this marriage cruise um, that's coming for us. And it's right after Thanksgiving. What a great way uh, to have our Thanksgiving. The Israel trip is still open and available. We're getting closer to the deadline to, before you have to start paying late fees. So please check it out at the brochure. We have a wonderful group that are going to the Holy Land. 
January 17th through the 26th, and we would love to talk to you about that if you have any questions. And we have a few people that need a roommate, so if you're a lady or a man, we have a couple of possibilities for matching you up for that. It's not too late. One, One last announcement. We have a chart with our Christian education needs for Sunday school on um, the 9 o'clock hour and 1045. If you're interested in helping in our children's ministries for either Faith Town or Heart Shapers, stop by the information station, check out the chart, and see if God's calling you to help teach our children pass our faith to the next generation. Let's stand as we get ready to go. It's such a blessing to be together, to study together, and worship together. And uh, I know it's a blessing for my heart. Let us go in the name of Jesus as we seek earnestly a relationship with Holy Spirit and as we seek earnestly the gifts that he has for each one of us for his body. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Make sure you give somebody a holy hug before you leave today.